excited you guys are here with us as we're continuing this new series. Just this last week, um, Veronica and I were sitting down on the couch. She was on uh, like the news app, and I was looking at something. I was actually reading about um, like some bomb in Poland or something like that. I'm like, what's going on here? And she's reading about stabbing in Idaho. Have you heard about any of this? Uh, like this stabbing in Idaho thing, and then the news is on. And it's like midterm elections, and and like. There's, how many of you guys know, we live in a jacked up world. Anyone here is like broken, fallen, messed up, chaotic. And the more jacked in you are, the more jacked up you get. Isn't that right? So we need, we need to figure out how to live in the mess, how to live in the chaos of this world and not, not be so circumstantial, like as it messes up and as it goes up and down, like I go up and down with it. We got to learn how to live in this world, but not among this world. So Isaiah 26 Verse 3 tells us, God gives us a promise that he'll keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him and whose thoughts are fixed on him. So we're in this series called Perfect Peace, and that this idea of perfect peace, it's a product, we're told, like an outcome or a result of, of who we're trusting in and the thoughts that we're thinking. So we started this last week, you guys, this journey last week. If you missed it, Go online and check it out, because if you really want to go on a journey towards God's perfect peace, then you have to start in your past and maybe address some things and, and get some healing in areas of your life that, that maybe we just kind of covered over. Today, we're going to continue the journey. This journey will take us all the way to Christmas at Discovery Experience, a total of six messages about God's perfect peace. Today, we're going to continue the journey. We're going to be primarily in Philippians chapter 4. And 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you do still bring your Bibles to church, you can probably go there if you want. If not, I got like, some of y'all looking at me crazy. I got the notes. Okay, so y'all felt the judgment there. I didn't mean to. Some of you are like, oh, I'm a bad Christian. Stop. It's okay. Calm down. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 4. Okay, Philippians 4. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. So if it's good or bad, if it's like, like always, if it's, the economy's up or down or you know, if it's going good in my job or not, if I have a job or not. God, there's this rejoice in the Lord at all times. He says, say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because although it may not feel like it in the moment that you're experiencing and what you're reading and what you're watching and the feelings you're having, it may not feel like it. It may not look like it. But the reality is the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And then he says this. Do not be anxious about anything. You ever read some parts of the Bible and you're like, dang, God. You ever read like, like really, is that like, like how many of you disobeyed that command this week? Anyone, anyone else disobeyed? Do not be anxious about anything. I don't care how holy you are, how much of the Bible you know. You know Greek and Hebrew stuff. You did a whole eschatological discourse on Revelation. And you know end time theology. I don't care what, like every one of us are going to struggle with and deal with some form of anxiety. I mean, I got bills to pay. I got kids I'm raising. Are you kidding me? Anyone here got kids you're raising? Don't be anxious about anything. Are you kidding me? What, like our relationship issues, health challenges. We got jobs, stress. We got inflation happening. Gasoline and milk and eggs and stuff. That just, my goodness, okay? So today's, the title of today's message, Perfect Peace Party, title is When Anxiety Attacks. When Anxiety Tax. So if, you, if you're with me today and you're like, okay, I got plenty to be anxious for, okay, be anxious. There's a lot to be anxious about, then you're not alone. I just want you to know you're not 
alone, okay? In 2019, there was a study that was done, and they found that two out of three Americans uh, said that they were anxious or extremely anxious. Two out of three, that's quite a bit, and that's pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. It's gotten worse. So they they did a recent study that said 91% of high schoolers and young adults report that they have significant or extreme levels of stress and anxiety. Now, anxiety in of itself, it's, it's complex. There's different spectrums of, of anxiety. Some people, they just have ang- occasional anxiety. They might label it as a stress or some sort of uh, tension. It, it comes with like this uneasiness, right? It's a, it's a discomfort. It's, uh, it's maybe there's a test that you have next week and you're like, oh my gosh. And there's a little bit of anxiety or stress that you might, you might call it stress or anxiety. I don't know, but that's like, that, that's a, a form of anxiety all of us kind of experience. Or maybe you have a presentation next week or in the coming weeks that you have to give at work. Or there's a social situation that you're like Thanksgiving's around the corner, and you're like, oh my God, you're like already stressing about the family members that you're like thinking that you need to be around or, or the, uh, the new small group that you're gonna jump into. And that's the reason why you haven't jumped in a small group. You just kind of, because every time it comes and Tuesday comes around, you're like, I just don't feel like it. Of course you don't feel like it. You have anxiety. That's, or there's even texting anxiety. Like text, like how many of you pick up your phone? Like, I get a text, I get a text, I get a text. Or when you text somebody and then all you see is the bubbles and then it disappears, you're like, what happened? What are they thinking right now? Are they gonna, how, how are they going to receive my message? Did I, did I communicate well? Did I communicate right? What are they going to receive from it? And there's this, there's a real thing. It's text anxiety. And so those are like, that's like on the, te- on the anxiety spectrum. That's on the lower end of anxiety. But others, it is a crushing, debilitating dread. It is, it's caused by these intrusive thoughts about uncertain or even perceived threats. It's, it's followed by like shortness of breath and heart racing and palpitations, even maybe what feels like a pounding heart. Walls feel like they're closing in. Even vision can sometimes get narrowed by extreme anxiety. And some people, it just gets to get to a point where they can't even function to a normal capacity in the middle of this anxiety or in the middle of a panic attack. And I'm not an expert. I'm not a therapist, you guys, and I'm not going to therapize you or anything like that today. But what I do want to do is speak to this from a very spiritual standpoint from a very biblical place as your pastor who loves you. And I want you to know that God loves you and God cares. And God has made available for you. You need to know this. He's made available for you a perfect peace in the middle of it all. Remember, peace is not the absence of the problems. It's, it's the presence of God and the presence of peace in the middle of them. And just because it's perfect, that's it not easy. It's not automatic. You know, the, the art of fixing your thoughts when you're obsessing about the wrong things is not easy, the trusting God when, when your feelings or even the current facts, like the current facts, I don't have all the facts yet, I just got, the, like I just got a little piece of the facts, but like when it's all like not looking like the way I want it to look like and I don't have all the information, it's hard to trust God when it's all crushing in on me, right? So, so let me, let's answer this question, it's very, very important to our journey today of, of talking about anxiety, what causes it? What causes Anxiety, and I mean, I delisted a lot of things. You probably, maybe in your mind, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, school and my kids, my boss, and my my job, my health. There's a lot of things that you might list of what's causing anxiety, but this is so important for you to understand that what's really causing anxiety, you guys, is you. You are causing anxiety. Now, here's 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 what happens, you guys. There's nothing outside of you gives you a panic attack. You 
cause it. Here's how. After you experience some external form of uncertainty or anxiety, anxiety in and of itself, it's not a sin. It's a very normal thing. It's not a sin at all. So you experience some form of uncertainty or anxiety, and then you become overly concerned about your feelings towards the uncertainty and your feelings and your symptoms and you think about them to the point that you actually scare yourself with them and now now I create an internal anxiety and what happens is your body senses the fear and the threat and so it releases chemical stimulants into your system to strengthen your body it's a fight or flee chemicals that are actually released um, whether it's real or imagined it doesn't matter the chemicals that are released when you're experiencing anxiety are adrenaline Sodium lactate and cortisol. That's getting produced. Your body is pumping that when you feel anxious and fear. It's pumping these chemicals in, even though the threat may be way out there. It may not even be real. It's pumping these chemicals into your body, and it moves you to a whole other stage of anxiety where you become more concerned now, not about that threat way over there, but about the immediate threat of the feelings I'm experiencing now from my heart racing and my shortness of breath and all these feelings that I'm having because I'm thinking on the wrong things, and you go so caught up. You, some people will go, well, what's wrong with me then? And we'll go to the hospital and we'll go, check my heart, check my brain. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. When in fact, it's, it's anxiety. What, what do we do? What, what do we do when anxiety attacks? You guys, where does anxiety attack? I want to give you guys these four levels of anxiety. If you're experiencing any form of anxiety, it's going to go through these four stages or levels. And I want to kind of just expose them to you and see how, how, they, how anxiety works in ourselves. So always, it always begins. Anxiety always begins. Number one, it begins with your thoughts. Anxiety begins in your mind. You're overthinking, negative thinking. It could be overreactive. It could be pessimistic thinking, perfectionist thinking, or even victimization thinking, making yourself the victim, but we're obsessing negative thoughts. And, and all, by all logical standards, it is what it's doing. It's a waste of precious the precious present moments that you are living in. And we're going to deal with this in a moment, how God has actually given you and equipped you with the ability to fix your thoughts and change your thinking. But here's why, and this is an attack of the enemy. The enemy's weapons are lies and deceit, you guys. The reason why he's attacking here in your thoughts, it's because he knows the power of your thought. Here's what Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, let God transform you into a new person. By how? By changing the way you think, and the enemy knows this, and if he's going to short-circuit the work of God in your life, then what he has to do is get you to believe a lie in some deception and cut that off, and now I'm not going to be transformed into the image of Christ. I'm going to be bound by lies and deceit. We're thinking, and we're meditating, or even obsessing on things, and when you do that, it's deeply rooted in our spiritual nature. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to be renewed, look at this, in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. A question that we get asked often when people who deal with anxiety and panic is, is this spiritual warfare or is this mental? Is this just a mind thing? Like how do I attack this, combat this? What's the solution to this? Is it like a spiritual thing or a mental thing? And the answer is yes. Yes, yes. You cannot separate the thoughts that you are allowing to ruminate in your mind and the effect that those thoughts are having in your spirit. A spiritual warfare, the spiritual warfare is this. Satan will attack you with lies and deception. And you have to guard your heart and your mind against the fears and the lies of the enemy. You gotta stop those contradictory ideas at the front door or else your mind's gonna be a dumping ground for the enemy. 
one of the things that we need to realize is that our thinking is actually causing reactions to our system, our brain. It's, and, and, and our brain, this is why, our brain doesn't know the difference, you guys. Our brain does not know the difference between an imagined scenario that you're thinking and from what's really happening. Either way, even if it's, un, it's an imaginary, it's still gonna release those chemicals, which is why it begins in your thoughts. And if you don't manage the anxiety, because anxiety isn't a sin, you guys, it's just the management of your anxiety. If you don't manage it in your thoughts, it eventually is gonna influence into your feelings and get to, number two, your body. Anxiety will attack your body. An example of what anxiety can do is like, you know, shortness of breath. We're not gonna, we feel like we can't breathe. We feel like the, that, that our, 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 you know, we can't swallow or our heart races and you feel numbness maybe in extremities or in your body and, and you can even make health issues happen because of anxiety, seizures and heart attacks. Matthew 6 and 27, it says this, in which of you by, Jesus says, by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of your life. We know this, that anxiety can't add anything. In fact, it takes away. Your panic attack, it can't kill you. Panic attack can't kill you. Get that out of your mind. But your anxiety will over time. Those chemicals that your body was never meant to produce that much of cortisol and adrenaline and all these chemicals that are produced with your fear and anxiety, it was never meant to handle that and it's doing damage over time to our bodies. But here's the truth, you can stop it. You can stop your thought. You can, you, can, you can cut it off from actually producing those negative results in your body and in your mind. But we have a lot of biblical examples, too. You're not alone in this, you guys. We all deal with this. There's a lot of people that struggle with anxiety, even at this stage of anxiety, of the body anxiety. Jesus is actually one of them that, that he shows us in the scripture of where he struggled and was struggling with anxiety and what it was producing in his body. Remember when the night Jesus was betrayed, that he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane? And the Bible says that, he, it's recorded, he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. That he felt, listen, to, I don't know if you've ever seen this. Maybe it's very poetic to you, but think of the reality of this. Jesus is saying his soul, my inner life, my inner being is crushing and overwhelming. I feel like I'm going to die. That's what Jesus is saying. So he gets his buddies and three of his buddies, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He says, come and pray with me. I'm going to go over here and talk to God, my father. And, and he goes and he's, he talks it out with God. Now, when he's talking out with God, what happens, we're told, is he starts to sweat blood from his pores, which is a real thing. And I'm going to murder this word, hematohydrosis, hematohydrosis. Like that. It's a very rare, but very rare, but very real condition where the blood vessels around your sweat glands because of the overwhelming stress can burst. And then the blood from the burst vessels effuse into your sweat glands and you sweat blood. Jesus was so overwhelmed that he bursted blood vessels in his, in his sweat glands and he was sweating blood. It's, it, it, listen, it's not a sin to feel anxious. It's what you do with this. It's what you do with the anxiety. And Jesus gives us a great example here of what he did. What he did is he, he, he talked to his friends, he talked to his father, and he talked to his feelings. He said, oh, yeah, I don't want to do this. Let this cup, let, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, God, make it pass from me, yet not as I will, but you will, God. So he talked to us. He got his friends. He talked to his friends. He's got three of his. And he even went to him like after praying, he went to his friends and they were sleeping, which kind of sucked, but he tried. He's like, hey, friends, can, we, can you help me out? And he talked to his father. He talked to his feelings. 
Jesus shows us that anxiety is production in our, in our body. Not only Jesus, there's so many. David is another person that we see constantly a good example of the effects of anxiety and stress in your body. It's recorded in Psalm 55. David says, my heart is in anguish within me. Now this is, again, it's more than poetic. Sometimes you read the Bible and it's like, yeah, heart is in anguish. This is like David is crying out. His heart is in anguish. Look what he says, the terrors of death have fallen me. Anyone ever afraid of dying? Anyone ever fear of dying, have anxiety about dying? This is David. Oh, I'm afraid of dying. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I would have wings of a dove. And here's, here's what we want to do, what David is saying. I'd fly away and be at rest. I want to run away from this problem and this fear that I'm having. Has anyone ever been there where, where anxiety has now gotten to your body and you're feeling all kinds of things in your heart and your eyes and your vision? What is David doing here, though? He's having anxiety, but how is he managing anxiety? He's talking to his father and he's talking to his feelings. He's not letting anxiety get the best of him. He is, because you don't fight anxiety. Guys, you can't beat anxiety. You can't fight anxiety because all you'll be fighting is you. You are the cause of it. You don't fight it. You flow with it. You got to learn how to flow with your anxiety and get the right flow going. Talk to your father. Talk to your feelings. Talk to your friend. I was going to, that was another sermon. I answered it in there. How'd you guys like that? Okay. Anyway, the next level of anxiety, your, your thoughts, you got your, your body. And if you don't stop it, hey, if you don't cut this anxiety, you don't manage it, man. It'll get into your spirit. So this is so important for us to understand that, listen, God's word has all authority. Somebody say all authority. God's word has all authority in your life. The enemy, the devil's word has zero authority. He has no authority. But the moment that I embrace or even consider or meditate on what the enemy seed, his thought, his idea, in that moment, I lend it my authority. So, so it has only impact on me to the level that I make agreement with the lie. And when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us that spirit of fear that we're allowing to operate and to influence our minds and our thoughts and our feeling and our body. God has not given us that spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. You can't believe every thought and let every feeling go unchecked in your life. You gotta manage it. It's not a sin to have anxiety. You gotta manage that thing. First John chapter four, verse one, he says, beloved, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every feeling, every thought, every, don't believe every spirit, but you gotta test the spirits to see, is this coming from God? Or is this on assignment? Is this agree with God's word over my life? Or am I making agreement with the enemy? You have to test the spirits. Anxiety will continue its course in your life. It'll, it'll affect your thoughts, but it don't stay there, man. It'll start affecting your body. It'll affect your, your spirit. And lastly, and ultimately, it's gonna ruin and destroy your relationships. This is what the enemy desires, to steal, kill, and destroy. So, so for those of you that are married or you're even in a relationship, dating of some kind, some of the anxious thoughts and beliefs that you might have in that relationship that are very destructive to your relationship are things like this, where you think that you're incompetent. You think that you're incompetent or, or that you don't deserve your partner's love or that you're not a good partner or that your partner's gonna, gonna leave you and that maybe you should protect your partner from anything bad happening to them. Those are anxious thoughts thoughts that need to be managed in order for destruction not to happen. 
Here's what Psalm 37, 8 says. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. But look what he says. Do not fret because that fear, that fret, that anxiety, it leads only to evil. It produces no good in your life and in your marriage and in your relationships. If those anxious thoughts only remained as a mere thought, then it would be probably annoying, but it wouldn't ruin the relationship. But anxiety never remains as a thought if left unchecked. It always influences your feelings and your behavior if you leave anxiety unchecked. There are certain types of anxious behaviors that are stemming from thoughts and emotions that are very common to relationships. Maybe you're, you're, you're clingy, you're overdependent, you're jealous, possessive, or suspicious. Maybe you're, during tense moments, you withdraw, retreat, or you isolate yourself. You give your partner the cold shoulder, you reject them punish them, you shun them, maybe you avoid to be open, honest in your communication. Anxiety drives all of those behaviors. I love what Pastor Veronica, my wife, says. She says this, expect less from people and get more from God. Stop putting so much. Look, they cannot, they're, they're, they're not the, the Savior they can't, they're, they're, you're, not, you're putting too much on those people. Expect less from people. You're going to get more from God. Psalm 62 says this, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. He alone protects me and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. My salvation and even my honor, they don't depend on you. They don't even depend on me. It depends on God. He is my strong protector and my shelter. So what do we do, you guys, when anxiety attacks. When you're experiencing anxiety, what do, what do you do? I got a few um, steps for you today. Biblically, what do you, what do, you do? Number one, uh, don't drop your guard. When anxiety attacks, don't drop your guard. Now, anyone ever box in here? You do any boxing, uh, kickboxing, anything like that? You ever watch any boxing? You know what happens when a boxer drops his guard? He gets knocked out, don't he? Okay, so, so but here's the deal. You're, you're, I don't want you to think about fighting anxiety the way that you would fight in a boxing ring. You gotta, your guard doesn't look, it's not, it's, it doesn't look like that. Here's what Philippians, let's continue in Philippians chapter four and, and, and see what our guard is that maybe you're dropping in the middle of anxiety. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And then he continues. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the, the result of that will be that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will what? Will, it will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So we see that what you feel is panic, but what you want is peace. And peace is a guard for your heart and mind. Peace guards. Peace guards. But the Bible actually says that there's some things that precede this peace that guards us in the middle of an attack. Listen to me, anxiety, it isn't a sin. It's a signal. It's a signal built in, designed by God to signal, to alert you. It's, it's an alert signal, signal that, that there is a response that is necessary, okay? So here's the guard. Think of it like a box. I got two guards for you. I got your left glove and your right glove I'm gonna give you today. That this is, this is the guard. This is the, what you need in order to have peace to guard your heart. Anxiety is a signal. First, to pray. That's what it is. 
It's not to fight, like, you're not gonna fight against anxiety. No, 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 I'm gonna pray. When, when I'm feeling this alert go off, I'm gonna go to God in prayer. I love Dr. Caroline Leaf, man. She's, if you don't follow her, you need to follow her. She, read, she wrote this book called Switch on Your Brain, one of many books that she wrote. On her website, um, it says, explains who she is. She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a BSc in Lagopedic specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. I don't have any idea what that means, you guys. But what I'm saying is she is so smart, man. She's an amazing woman of God. So like on my website, it's like father, husband, pastor. <laughs> this girl is on fire. Here's what she says. Look what she said. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Like this is such good news because our brains and minds can get fixated on all the wrong stuff. But she says you can actually change your brain, the structure of your brain by what you think. This is called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. It's actually, when you think thoughts, you're actually firing in your, in your brain is happening. And, and neuroplasticity says the more you think a thought, the more often you're going to think that thought. And the more you think that thought, the easier it is to think that thought. So here's what's happening in your mind when you're thinking that thought. Think of it like this. Like, like if there was a big dirt field and I parked my car over here and the building that I'm going into is way over there. And every day for years, I'm parking my car right here and I'm walking to that building in this dirt field. There's no pass. But day after day after day, week, month, and year, as I trek the dirt from my car to the building, I'm going to create a footpath. What you're doing with your thoughts is actually creating a neural footpath between where you are and that thought. So the more that you walk that thought, the more you think that, oh, I'm going to die. The more you think he's going to leave me. The more you think I don't have enough. The more you think that, that all these thoughts, the more you think those, the easier it is for you to think. It almost becomes an automatic thought eventually that your mind just goes to that needs to be cut off. The Bible says that anxiety interrupts the path or that prayer interrupts the path of anxiety. When, when the problems start, here's what happens is we dwell on the, on the alert signal instead of the actual problem. We start focusing on the alert signal. In the Bible, the word most commonly used for anxiety is merimnau. Merimnau. It means dwelling and pondering on fearful, anxious thoughts. You're literally meditating on the negative, you're training your brain to be anxious. We're training our mind and prayer breaks the cycle of anxiety in the path that you have created to your dread and your fear. So, so what is it? What's the, how do I get this peace that guards my, man, you gotta have, you gotta put the glove up, man. You better, you, you need, anxiety is a signal to pray and not just any prayer, not just prayers of complaint, prayers of negativity, Right? Prayers of like, like just like, I mean, God, not, it's okay. You can unload on God. Remember, you can unload on God. But not just there. You don't stay there. The apostle Paul, when he said in Philippians 4, he says prayer and thanksgiving. See, you interrupt anxiety with gratitude. Because that gives some opposite. Here's what's so cool. Again, studies have been done on this, you guys. There is different chemicals that get released when you're anxious but the opposite chemicals get released and produced into your body when you are grateful. So, so when you are grateful, your brain releases neurotransmitters 
and neurohormones that actually enhance your mood, enhance your attitude, they give you clarity of focus, they actually produce mental and physical health when you are grateful. So the next time you're feeling anxious, you interrupt your anxiety with prayer and thanksgiving. This is, this is the biblical pattern, what Paul is showing us here. It's like, hey, if you want the peace that guards, you need to, the first, anxiety is a signal. It's not a sin, it's a signal that you need to pray. The second signal he gives us is praise. Think of it like a boxer, right? Put your gloves up. Prayer, praise. Come on, devil, come at me. Okay? You got, you, anxiety is a signal of praise. And you don't just praise after the battle. You don't just praise when you have the victory, when the enemy is defeated. You praise God before the blessing. You praise God before the provision. You praise God before the anxiety is gone. You praise God. That, so, so some of you, what you need to do is develop a playlist of some praise and worship songs that actually speak of the goodness of God, the provision of God, the victory of God, the, how grateful you are of God. And you need to, in the middle of your battle, you need to start praying and praising God. The Bible tells us that when we pray, we praise Peace that surpasses all understanding. Like, like, I'm still in the storm. I'm still in the ring. I'm still in the ring. I'm still fighting this thing. But in the middle of this, in the middle of this ring, in the middle of this match, in the middle of the storm, I'm, I, I got peace that is guarding my heart. See, prayer and praise are the pathway to peace. When anxiety attacks, don't drop your guard. Number two, when anxiety attacks, you got to redirect your thinking. There is... Write that down. Redirect your thinking. There is nothing more important for your mind than the word of God. The word of God has all authority. The Bible counteracts all that negative thinking and negative stuff that you have received all day and all week. I highly recommend daily Bible reading, getting into your word of God every day. I don't care if it's a paper Bible, an app, on your, I don't care where it's at. Just get the word of God into your mind every day. Dr. Charles Cooley, he's the Dean of American Sociology, he says this, your self-esteem, your self-worth, or your image is determined to a large degree by what you think the people or the person that matters the most to you think about you. So we develop our self-esteem, self-worth, our identity based on what we think the person that's important to us or people that's important to us think about us. Can I tell you something? Some of you think too much about what other people think about you. And it's producing a lot of anxiety. And I would encourage you to make Jesus the person who matters most to you, that, you would, that, that what he thinks about you matters most than what anyone else thinks about you. Instead of focusing on the discouraging, the sad, the scary thoughts, you gotta, you gotta look for the good. Notice I didn't say see the good. You gotta look for it. You gotta look for the good. And you can't just stop thinking anxious thoughts. That doesn't work. Thought stopping doesn't work. Like, just stop. Stop thinking those thoughts. Why can't I just stop? It doesn't work. Your mind doesn't work that way. They actually did this famous study. It's called the White Bear Study. These, the participants in this study, they were told, they were put in a room, they were told to close their eyes, and, and they were given a bell in their hand, and they were told, okay, whatever you do, don't think of a white bear. And the moment you think of a white bear, you have to ring that bell, okay? Okay, so whatever you do, don't think of a white bear, ready, go. And like within two seconds, so they've done a lot of studies like that because and found out that you can't really, like not thinking about the, don't think about the white bear is thinking about the white bear. Telling myself, don't think about the white bear, I'm thinking about 
the white bear, you guys. So, so what Paul tells us in this very next verse, he tells us where our thoughts need to be redirected in the middle of our anxiety. It's not a sin to have anxiety. It's how you manage the anxiety. And he tells us what to do, how to redirect your thinking and create new neural pathways in your mind. He says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, stop believing lies. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, that's where I need to be meditating. That's where my thoughts need to be fixed on if I want to have perfect peace, whatever is true. You got to tell yourself, my husband isn't cheating on me. I'm not going to get fired. My family does love me. I am a good mother. I am a good father. You got to tell whatever is honorable. You got to think honorable thoughts about people. Speak well about them. Whatever is right, the right thing to do, the ethical, the logical, the, the moral, whatever is pure. Believe the best about people. Stop believing the worst about people and believe the best in situations and, and in whatever's lovely. You know what lovely thoughts are? Lovely thoughts are God thoughts. God is love. When you think lovely thoughts, you are thinking about God. Whatever is admirable, admire people. Admire your surroundings. Admire your situation. Think on excellent and praiseworthy things. I know what some of you are thinking, though, at this point of my message, some of you that deal with anxiety, you've done all these things. You prayed, you praised, tried to redirect your thinking. And some of you might think, okay, is that it? It's like if I pray and I praise and I redirect my thinking, are you telling me that God is going to heal my anxiety? I understand it's not always that easy, that there's a journey of healing that needs to happen. It's not always as easy as just like a, maybe a Bible verse. Some of, you, some of you need to actually change your diet if you want to be free from anxiety. Some of you need to change your, your exercise habits. Some of you need to, need to change your prescriptions if you actually want to have perfect peace and have no more anxiety. Some of you need to go through counseling and explore the reasons underneath some stuff. Or maybe you need to go to cognitive behavioral therapy and actually relearn some things on how to deal with the emotional strains of normal adult life. Okay, so I get it. I get it. I'm not saying that this is like it. I'm not giving you the easy fix it. I'm giving you the spiritual, like no matter what you do, counseling, therapy, whatever all, whatever you do, and some of you need to do some stuff beyond this, but it needs to include this. Anxiety is not a sin. It is a signal to pray and praise and redirect your thinking. You have to do that. We have to. And then lastly, and some of you ain't going to like this, but when anxiety attacks, you got to get undercover. And I'm not talking about your bed covers. That's what some of you do. Some of you are like, ah, anxiety attacks. Some of you go, just hide yourself or just kind of, that's not what I'm talking about, the undercover. I'm talking about here, First um, Peter chapter five kind of gives us some insight on what to do with anxiety. He says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Under what? Oh, I gotta get under, I gotta get under God's mighty hand that he may lift me up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're struggling with anxiety, you might not easily find the connection that Peter is making between humility and anxiety. Some of you think, well, I don't think very highly of myself at all. That's not my problem. I think I'm a, I'm a scum. I think I'm terrible. I think I'm just weak. 
I think I can't, I can't do that. That's not, that's, not what I, that's not what Peter is saying here. He's not saying that you're proud. See, pride, pride is thinking highly of yourself. But just because you're not proud doesn't mean you are humble. Now, I know you're not going to like this, but, but there's a revelation here for some of you. There's revelation. Because humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Just consider the language. Consider your self-talk. Consider your language that you're telling. Like, listen to it. I, I, I don't know if I have what it takes, and, and I don't know if I can do, and I don't know if I can make it. What if I, 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 I. Maybe, maybe you've been carrying anxiety that you can't get rid of because you're bearing a weight that you weren't meant to bear. Did you hear that? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I need to humble myself and remember, it is God's hand that is mighty, not mine. He's the one that empowers me to do and accomplish everything that he has called me to do. I need to humble myself and recognize I don't have the capacity to do everything. Every problem is not my problem to solve. Every person is not my person to serve and to fix. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now check this out, check this out. I was reading this verse and, and the Lord showed me revelation. That's not, that, it's not a command. The command of this verse is not cast all your cares and cast all your anxieties on him. If you actually look at the Greek of this, there is no period that's right there. It's actually one continuous, that's not the command. The command isn't cast all your anxieties, it's the result. The command of this verse is humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And when you do, your anxieties are cast from you You're, with your need to control it, with your need to fix it and figure it out. If you would just take the weight off your back and put God on the throne of your heart. Sometimes we pull verse seven out of con context and we say, oh, cast all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. And that by itself is a wonderful verse and it's a beautiful promise. And yes, God does care for you. And, and, and he's a shepherd and he loves us. But before we're called to cast our anxieties on him, we are called to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Stop thinking less of yourself redirect your thinking in agreement with God's word about you instead of in agreement with the devil about you. Redirect my, stop thinking less of yourself and start thinking of yourself less. Peter continues in verse eight. He says, and be on your what? On your guard. Peace, peace, peace is the guard. It guards our hearts and minds. Be on your guard and stay awake because your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around to find someone. He sneak attacks. You know what I'm saying? The devil is sneaky. He don't come right at you. He sneaks. He's sneaking around telling you lies, deception, trying to get you to believe his truth, to make agreement with his lie about you about your marriage, about your kids, about your future. And the moment you make agreement, you consider, you meditate on it, you're giving it authority. Be on your guard. Get prayer. Get praise. Let peace guard because the enemy is lying. The enemy's roaring and seeking who he can lie and who he can deceive and who he can devour and attack. And it's not time to run. It's time to resist. He says, but you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith because you know that all over the world, all the Lord's followers 
We're all suffering the same thing. We all got the same stress. We're all enduring the same economy. We all, like me, you're not alone in your kids raising stuff and your challenges. You're not alone in the brokenness. You're not alone in your divorce. You're not alone in your addiction. You're not alone in your, in your stress. You're not, you're not, we're all dealing with this. You're not alone in this. You're not, it's not unique to you. Be on your guard. This obsessive, anxious thoughts, they're just a distraction of what really is the problem. And I put a few lines in your, in your notes, if you do have your sermon notes, for God to just reveal the area to you. Because at the root, listen to me, at the root of your obsessive, anxious thoughts is something you can't even control. And I want you to ask yourself, where is it that you need to start trusting God? Where is it that you need to start fixing your thoughts and stop making agreement with the enemy? in your mind and start agreeing with what God says about you, your future, your career, your health, your relationships. Where is it? Where are you obsessing anxiously over and making false agreement with? And, and I put those in there so that you could just, I, I'm just praying and believing all week I've been praying for that God would reveal where, where the agreement needs to be broken with the enemy. And you need to line up your thinking and believing with the word of God. Here's, let me close with this and I'm praying for you. First Corinthians chapter 7, 32. Powerful verse. Simply says this. God says, I want you to be free from anxieties. God does not want you living under the anxiety, the stress, the weight, figuring it out, fixing it, how can I? What if I? He doesn't want you under the anxiety. Get under the mighty hand of God. And the result, the result of that, casting all of your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. Can I pray that over your life with every head bowed in this place, with every eye closed? Oh, God, thank you so much for your peace that you've made available for us, God, your perfect peace in the middle of the fight, in the middle of it, God, you made it available. Not, not to fix every problem, but to be present in the middle of my problem and in the middle of my pain. Forgive me, God, for making agreement with what the enemy's lies and deceits are. Forgive me, God, for agreeing with the lies of the enemy over my health, over, over my marriage, over my future, my mind. God, forgive me. I break down every stronghold of contradiction in my mind against your word. In Jesus' name, I speak freedom right now. Free from anxiety, free from the lie, free from the deception, free from control. Let it go, let it go, and get under the mighty hand of God. He alone is mighty. He alone is able.